Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Freelancer Show. Today, uh, I am hosting Brooks Forsyth, coming to you from Connecticut. We have Mike Vulcan. Say hi, Mike. Hi, how's everybody? And we have our other um, host, Brad Large. Hey, how's it going, everybody? When I'm building a new product, G2i is the company that I call on to help me find a developer who can build the first version. G2i is a hiring platform run by engineers that matches you with React, React Native, GraphQL, and mobile engineers who you can trust. Whether you are a new company building your first product or an established company that wants additional engineering help, G2i has the talent you need to accomplish your goals. Go to devchat.tv slash G2i to learn more about what G2i has to offer. In my experience, G2i has linked up with experienced developers that can fit my budget, and the G2i staff are friendly and easy to work with. They know how product development works and can help you find the perfect engineer for your stack. Go to devchat.tv slash G2i to learn more about G2i. All right, so um, Mike, uh, today you're going to talk about nine traits to uh, attract high-paying clients. Yeah, yeah, everybody, all freelancers want high-paying clients, or they should. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not a bad thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I've, I've identified probably the nine traits out of coaching a lot of freelancers, the, the top nine traits uh, that really um, attract the high-paying clients. And the first one is to be attentive. Um, and it's not really to over-communicate. In fact, it's the opposite. Uh, I actually recommend not responding to emails from clients right away. Um, you want to be responsive to your prospects and set boundaries. Uh, early on how you will communicate. So what I do is when I bring on a client, the very first thing after that contract is signed, I say, okay, here's the way I like to communicate. And I lay it out. Um, I have countless clients wanting to use Slack, WhatsApp, Skype, text me, Facebook message. No, that's not going to happen with me. Uh, if you want something done, anything task related has got to go through email so I can flag it and follow up with it if I'm not in front of my computer. Uh, but the most important thing is not to respond right away. Why is that? Because all freelancers want to get back to the clients right away. Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had a, a very high paying client. It was in excess of $10,000 a month, this contract. And they were, um, I was responding right away to them. I was basically their, their chore monkey. I would do anything they wanted to do, right? Uh, in the marketing department. And uh, I'd get back to them right away. Now, after about a month goes by, it got a little exhausting, seven days a week, trying to you know be a slave to my phone and see if they're responding. So I probably wound up responding very, very fast, just not as fast. Maybe I'd wait an hour and then they started to complain a little bit. Why aren't you responding as fast? You know, in all respects, getting back to a client within an hour is still a very good response time, but they saw that as a degradation in quality. So right now, my practice is the very first meeting, I tell them I respond to emails twice a day in the morning and in the evening. And everything else other than that has to be focused on client's work. And if they don't accept that or even respect that, then they're not going to be a good client for you, especially a high paying client. So uh, have you gotten pushback on that? Never. Uh, surprisingly, never got pushback on that. Okay, cool. And I'm much more efficient and productive, by the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm I think, sure. Yeah, I think that's a huge call out because uh, some of the, like my first couple clients, I, you know, you're not, I, I do this as on the side, right? So and my first couple of clients, I kind of unintentionally did this. I just responded after I got done with my job, right? So kind of like the one time a day email response thing and kind of set that expectation early. But I found that uh, I made the mistake of, of not specifying channels, like you said, on like WhatsApp and Skype and email, you know, all these different mediums, LinkedIn even, uh, you know, just I think that's a great call on to kind of set that expectation up front of how you're going to communicate because that can, that can get you into some weird situations. Yeah, uh, I had one 
yeah, I had one client who kept trying to reach out to me on a different, uh, uh, app that I didn't even get notifications for. And then got really frustrated after a couple of days. And, you know, when I saw his email, I responded right away, but you know, because I hadn't set that expectation clearly, it kind of became an issue, right? Exactly. And it actually made me more money because now I focus, I have more billable hours and I'm not so, you know, a slave to my phone, which runs right into the second trait, which is be mindful. So, um, if you guys don't, we talked about the last time I was a guest, you know, meditation and mindfulness, but it, you know, a big part of that is putting down your phone. Now I coach freelancers and sometimes they say, well, Mike, I'm still getting distracted by my phone. I'm like, how is that possible? I told you to put it down. They're like, yeah, you know, it's, I'm like, where do you keep it? They said, it's at the edge of my desk right here. I'm like, no, that's not putting it down. That's just not looking at it. You're still looking at it every time it beeps or buzzes or makes some kind of vibration. I want it out of the room when you have billable hours. Your time is your money as a freelancer. So um, I, again, I mean, it's all about what's called time blocking. It's, you know, setting time without your phone, without distractions to do billable work. So just be mindful. That's my second tip. Yeah, I think so that's you, a good one. That's something I'm looking forward to this coming year is... Yeah actually having, I'm not sure how long I'm going to do it, but I want a day a week where I don't even like mess with my phone Yeah, because I feel like any other area of your life, if you had something you kept going back to every 15, 30, uh, you know, even every hour, uh, you would call that an addiction. (laughs) So like this whole, like, that's one of the things that I want to focus on because being mindful and aware and present in what you're doing, I think has a huge impact on your effectiveness doing it, obviously. And it sounds so simple when you say it out loud, but oftentimes we just get caught up in it, right? Yeah. And, you know, a big tip, you know, you mentioned you want to try one day a week. I mean, even take it shorter than that. When you um, start to move your phone out, you'll find that it's an addiction. Um, And when you start to not use your phone as much, you're going to be thinking about reaching for it a lot. So I would just start in one hour blocks. Just say, you know what, one hour, this phone is going into another room and then make it a a habit the next week to do three hours and then maybe five hours a week after that. If you try to do it too much, it's like, quitting smoking cold turkey, most of the time, you're just going to go back to your old ways. Uh, so you just want to do make small incremental changes to that habit. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call out. I, I, I'm kind of, that's why I was nervous to say a, a day, because if you do like even a half a day, I mean, because then it's going to run into other goals too, like, you know, hanging out mm-hmm. with friends more or staying in touch with I'm That's another goal I have. Right. So they kind of conflict because your phone is central to that right. sometimes. But, uh, no, I think that's a good point. You know, finding you know, that increment or that time frame that's going to work is that's going to be key. Good. I'd like to hear how it works out for you. Yeah. Um, you guys ready for tip number three? I'm ready. Working for attracting high paying clients. Tip number three is be caring. So I don't mean just about your prospects, but about you as well. I want you to be able to, as a freelancer, work on your reputation, care about what is being said about you online. I don't know how many times I would ask one of my students, have you Googled yourself lately? Like, what are people saying about you on social media and on Google? You might be surprised on what's out there. Uh, Always set up a Google alert with your different um, types of names. Some people call me Mike Vulcan. Some people call me Michael Vulcan. Some people still call me Sergeant Vulcan when I'm in the military and I still get that bing every now and then on on, uh, alert, Google alerts that I get that in. Um, So be caring and, and take notes when talking to your prospect. So if your prospect says, Hey, um, it's my daughter's birthday next week. So, you know, on Wednesday, so let's have our meeting on Thursday instead. Um, and then on Thursday you ask me, Hey, how did your daughter's party go? Like when I'm taking notes and when talking to a client or prospect, I'm including those personal things as well. So, so that's kind of two, uh, two things there. One one is the, you know, what, what people are saying online about you. Right. Which, which I find interesting because there's a country singer that is named Brooks Forsyth and he has dominated my name. 
which I guess I'm kind of okay with, right? It could be yeah. worse. Yeah. Um, could, could have <laughs> Mine's a, diff- a jazz musician. <laughs> There's a jazz musician named Brad Large. Uh, like who knew, but yeah. I'm, I, I thought that was you. That's not different guy, huh? All right. <laughs> different guy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not a freelance saxophone player by any means. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then the other thing is, is keeping track of, like you said, the birthday example, daughter's birth. Where do you, um, I guess, where, where do you keep that information down that, that, you know, to go back there? Yeah. Uh, in the discovery call, when I first thought, talk to them, I, every time I take a discovery call, I create a folder of prospects that I want to follow up with. So I create a folder with that person's company name, or if it's an individual, then the individual's name. And I just have a notes document of everything we talked about. Um, and I'll take notes. I have sections. I have a section for work related, a section for personal related. And if they mention they just moved into a house or their, their daughter's birthday, like I'll note all that stuff. That's what separates you from all the other people who just want to talk business, you know? Yeah, yeah that makes that's, sense. that's huge. I mean, that's what I do is uh, CRM software. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, that's just such a massive step. And a lot of people uh, you know, are realizing that the average salesperson or freelancer, you know, they're not setting the bar too high when it comes to client follow-up and and caring about their business and, and, you know, just taking that extra step and, you know, whether you use an Excel spreadsheet or, you know, something like a CRM, which I think is a great investment, obviously. I mean, that's, but, Mm -hmm. you know, finding something that's going to allow you to aggregate that information, put it in useful places and allow you to leverage it. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge, I mean, step forward. It's just going to, it's one more way that you're going to stand out. Yeah. I mean, with high ticket prices, these guys, I mean, when I say high ticket, I'm thinking 5,000 a month, 10,000 a month. These are guys, these are relationships. These aren't just, you know, transactions. So you have to um, develop a relationship with them. So they keep you around for a long time. And that's how you do that. For sure. Yeah. Um, another tip to attract a high paying client, be resourceful. So do research on your project prospect, um, know everything you can about them before you get them on the phone. I hire a lot of freelancers cause I have startup businesses myself every week more than every week, I get on the phone with freelancers and I can't tell you how many times they barely even know my name. They don't know what the company is. They don't know what I'm asking for them, anything like that. I mean, just go to the website and do 10 seconds worth of research for God's sakes. Um, I do that as well. In fact, I always leave my, um, my prospects and my discovery call away with two action items. Maybe it's something about their website that needs to be improved. Maybe it's another avenue they can reach out to to get some revenue from a marketing perspective, whatever. But I always leave them away with two things that they can think about and go, huh, I'm glad he took time to, you know, think about uh, what I needed in my project before I got on the phone with him. That will separate you out from 90% of the other freelancers. That's so, a really interesting. Oh, sorry. It's mm-hmm. so when you when you give them feedback on like uh, a website or something like that that you notice because I notice these things all the time. Like I Google mm-hmm. the company, I notice what Google ads come up. I look at their website. You know, I'm doing what I do uh, as a as a consultant yeah. for them automatically. Right? It's habit. And then I'll, I'll take some notes. Do you get positive feedback on that? How does that play out when you always, but the way you word, it's important because I used to not be as professional, you know, back, you know, I've been freelancing for 15 years back 10 years ago. I used to tell them, Hey, you know what? Your, your website kind of is very amateur, you know, but now I can, uh, I can phrase it a lot better. You know, I think there's some things we can do to improve your website. You know, it's just, you've got to phrase it correctly. So you're not insulting them. Um, I like to use a sandwich technique. I talk about this in freelancer masterclass where you give the client a compliment you give them something that they can use improvement on, and then you give them another compliment. So um, that's psychologically the best thing you can do to present uh, any changes you have. 
Yeah. I've heard that before too. That's, that's interesting because that's, um, yeah, the, when I was trying to get off the ground freelancing before and had, you know, a couple opportunities to do that, that was something that I tried and I, I felt like it was hit or miss. And I feel like maybe, uh, I've got better insight into it now, but I think how you phrase it is really important, mm-hmm. but that's, that's interesting. I'm, I'm, I've been a little bit hesitant or gun shy to, you know, to offer that up right away. Yeah. Uh, but I do think, I mean, ultimately this is, especially the, like you said, the relationship clients, you want to show that every touch with you is providing value and that, yeah. you know, you're, you're an asset to them, right. That you're yeah. taking the time to get to know their business and, you know, provide insight. Honestly, Brad, I mentioned it early in the call too, um, because what I want to do psychologically on discovery call, the discovery call is very strategic for me. Um, I have a very flow way that I like to dictate the conversation. Um, and when I get on a discovery call with someone other than the, the small talk and the introductions, uh, I like to tell them some things that, um, they're, they're doing wrong, but in a nice way, like some opportunities they're missing out on that allows me and them, that allows them really to know uh, that I am the person that has recognized stuff that do wrong. And then the next step is for me to present that I'm the only solution to their problem that I just acknowledge that they had. And now they agree that they have. Um, yeah. So that's, and the other part of being resourceful is not just that, what we're talking about, but it's also, um, is to do research and find others with your same expertise, right? So a lot of times I call it um, uh, reverse searching on Upwork and Google, but mostly Upwork, is like if I'm a fractional CMO, for example, I'll go look for other fractional CMO profiles on Upwork, especially ones that are ranking higher than me, and I'll see what inspires me and how I can make it my own. So if somebody has a profile designed in a certain way or a headline that is kind of eye-catching, then I will see how, I'm not copy them, but I'll make it my own. So there's two parts as being resourceful. There's doing research, doing the reverse search, and then also doing research on your prospect before you actually get on the call with them. I, I think that's really interesting. The reverse search concept is really cool. And one one of the ways that I've heard it explained as well is uh, Seth Godin talks about drawing out the graph and the four quadrants, right? Mm-hmm. And the goal is for you to find the people that you, like first off, identify who your comp, you know quote unquote competition is mm-hmm. and then try to be in the exact opposite quadrant, right? And try to find a, a, a certain number of characteristics that really set you apart and differentiate you so that you can do that. But the, the actual tactics that you use, you know, when marketing are, are going to be similar things. So finding inspiration from others and, and how they're, uh, you know, how they're doing things, I think is, is a great way to see, you know, how you want to position yourself. Like you said, you yeah. know, flavor it to yourself. So. Yeah, a lot of the great musicians and artists in the world will tell you they didn't start their idea from scratch. They were looking at other other artists and musicians and then gleaning some ideas from them and then just spin it out to make their own song and stuff. So um, another tip. So, so far we have the nine traits to you need to attract high paying clients. We're on uh, tip number five, but the first one was be attentive. Second one was be mindful. Third one was be caring. Fourth one was be be resourceful. And this one is be respectful. And this is be respectful to yourself. Um, don't be a beggar, respect your rates. That's the tip here. I can't tell you how many times I get on the phone with freelancers and as, if I'm hiring them, they'll be like, uh, well, normally I charge $80, but for you, since you have so much work for me, I'll give you f- for 50. I'm like, why? I was about ready to hire you for 80. Just talk yourself out of $30 an hour. You know, um, there's plenty of work out there. There's billions of dollars to make out there. You just got to niche yourself, be confident that that's your specialty and just know that all that money. So, so many freelancers are afraid to niche down. Um, and they think that that's going to, 
um, you know, lose them clients and they have to negotiate their rates. But I'm telling you, the more you niche, the more confident you are, the more experienced you are in your niche, um, the less you're going to have to negotiate and the more you can respect your own rates. So be respectful. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's big. Alan Weiss has always said, uh, first sale is to yourself, right? If you don't believe in the value that you're providing, then it's hard to, res- you know, yep. it, the respect starts with you. Your even your interactions with others, it's it's a reflection of how much you respect yourself in that situation yep. and the status that you're bringing to it. So that I old think that's saying, a good the, first, the first person you have to sell is the person in the mirror, right? It's exactly. You. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. All right. Tip number six, be a good listener. So stop selling yourself. When you get on a call with a prospect, uh, you want to let your prospect speak. You'll be surprised at how often you might get on a call and uh, you think that their pain point um, is one thing and their pain point is actually two or three or four things. Uh, So you'll find that you can actually add way more value than originally thought. You might find that the original project they had intended to hire you for was maybe a couple thousand dollars, but after your talk, it might be five or $10,000. So let them speak. Too many people get on the phone with me if I'm hiring a freelancer and they just try to uh, talk, 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 sell themselves, sell themselves. It's like, just shut up and let me tell you about the project. Let me tell you about my issues and let me tell you the solution that I need and then you can sell yourself. So don't be so quick to just jump in and, and be a commercial for yourself. Let the prospect do it, say what he's got to say and do what he's got to do to, uh, to pour his heart out to you. You'll be surprised at how much information they reveal to help you out. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think uh, I find when I get on the call a lot, the like uh, first question I get is, is like, you know, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your experience. And I always wonder how far do I go in yeah. that, you know, because I, I don't want to say too much because I do want to hear about their problem, you know, yeah. really. and then. Um, so I think that's more like controlling which way the call goes. I'd much rather hear about their problem first than tell yeah. them about me first. It's okay to tell you about your name and your expertise and how long you've been a freelancer, but then just end it at that, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And maybe that's- a little bit about why you love what you do. I mean, people don't so much buy your features and benefits. They buy into a story. So, you know what? My name is Mike Vulcan. I'm, uh, you know, I've been a freelancer for 15 years. My motivation now is to be able to stay at home and be with my new six-month-old daughter and be able to play tennis in the middle of the day uh, whenever I want. And uh, that's why I like to do what I do. I mean, that's the story that connects you to especially high-paying clients, you know. That makes sense. Yeah. So um, tip number seven is be a good communicator. So have a very clear scope of work. This kind of goes along the lines of be attentive where we talked about scope of work. But in terms of communicating, it's very important as a freelancer, you prevent what's called scope creep. I'm sure you guys have heard of that phrase, especially probably yes. Brad as a CRM specialist. But, uh, you know, you have your contract written out and then the client says, oh, I thought this was included. And this was included. And I just got a four star review the other day, which I'm pissed about on Upwork. 
because the I made a bunch of website suggestions, which was the project. And then the client said, I'm disappointed. The website review was great, but I thought you were going to be making all the changes. And I'm like, no, I've never mentioned that at all. And he started talking about Facebook ads. I thought, you, I'm like, where are you getting all this? Like, we never discussed that at all. Like, look at the contract, look at our conversation. So you have to be a very good communicator because clients will um, still want to put scope creep in there and say, oh, I thought you were going to do this, this, and this. So um, go you know, look at your document, your contract you're going to send, look at it three times if you have to, uh, and just make sure that everything is covered before you, um, before you send it off to the client. You guys have ever, ever have issues with scope creep? Never. Great. Never. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think you're being sarcastic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, that's, I mean, that's always a big time. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Expectations are just so high on a lot of these things. And, you know, with, with CRMs, it's funny because there, you know, there are a ton of CRMs now and, uh, I deal with, one of the bigger ones I, I do Salesforce and it's like people come into it thinking that it can do everything right out of right out of the gate. And, you know, they're really good at their promo videos and all that kind of stuff. And then it can do a lot, but Holy smokes, man, when you get people that, you know, are, have a really high expectation of what you're going to be doing or what you can accomplish in a certain time frame, And, and you know, the funny thing about scope creep is it always comes back to the client as well. Yep. Uh, you know, for CRMs, because I, all I'm doing is amplifying your process. So if we don't nail down your process first, uh, then what, what's the point? We're going to amplify a horrible process and you're going to be worse off than you were before. So yeah. it's always interesting navigating those conversations for sure. Very true. And it's not never a fun conversation either. Um, another tip. Uh, let's see. We, are on, we just did be a good communicator. Um, now we're on tip number eight, which is be confident. And that's not just in yourself, but that you can... Um, complete the work. And a good way to do that is to have pre-written answers to common questions. Let's let's all be honest here. When you get on a discovery call, 80% of the conversation, probably 90 is going to be the exact same you had with other clients. Like Brooke said, you know, tell me about yourself, how long you've been a freelance, like all that stuff. Have pre-written answers to common questions clients will ask so you don't stumble through them. And that makes you sound really confident. Like everybody always asks me, like, what's a fractional CMO? And I have an answer for that. Hey, it's a it's a full-time marketing leader without the full-time cost or something, or a part-time marketing leader without the full-time cost um, is the way I say it. Uh, so there, there are a lot of objections, maybe eight or 10 objections. There's four or five common questions that, uh, you know, tell me about yourself type of thing that I have bulletized. So um, if somebody asks me that I know exactly what to riff off right away without stumbling through what could be a really easy question to answer. Yeah, that's good advice. I, I should definitely do that. Um, yeah. you know, it's the same story over and over again, but I, I've probably yeah. told it different every time. I know. Yeah. And don't script it. And that goes, you know, along the lines with your Upwork video as well, which is very important. You should always have a video on Upwork, but don't script that. I've seen too many videos on Upwork. It's just, it, you're obviously reading, you can't think for yourself. So just have bullets and just riff off those bullets. So one conversation, one sentence will lead into the next. Okay. And the ninth trait, uh, let's just do a quick review here. Be attentive, be mindful, be caring, be resourceful, be respectful, be a good listener, be a commu good communicator, and then uh, be confident. Now, the last one is be a good manager, and that's of yourself. So you want to be able to manage up. Are you guys familiar with the term managing up? I'm yeah. not. Okay, well, I'll just explain it real quick since the split 50-50 here. Managing up is a term that managers use to um, uh, better communicate with, I don't want to say they're subordinate, but, but with their teams and their bosses. So managing up basically says, um, if you could turn three 
emails into one email and anticipate questions that they're going to ask. If you can anticipate what the next conversation is going to be, what the next phone call, what the next meeting is going to be about. If you're presenting a report or stats for a client, um, just give that presentation to yourself as if you were the client and anticipate any questions they might have. Uh, it's basically minimizing conversations. Just before this podcast, I was hiring a freelancer for a video I'm working on. He was doing some post-production edits. And I told him, listen, just stop right now. We're not in a real-time conversation. He's treating emails like it's a real-time conversation. Just one sentence hits send, one sentence hits send. It's like, just gather all your thoughts, write them all out in one email, and I'll respond to them all in one email. That saves us both a lot of time. You know, that's a part of managing up. That's very important. And clients love that, especially high-ticket clients who are super busy. That's good. Have you ever run across, I, I've seen um, where if I ask two questions, they'll answer the first one. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. You just got to follow up. I mean, sometimes people do that, but um, yeah, it's just, there's nothing really you can do about that except phrase the questions in uh, numbers or bullets. Um, and I guess call out that you have, yeah, yeah, you have two concerns or two, whatever, right? Yeah. Or, or more. And um, from a neuromarketing perspective, I mean, I'm a neuromarketer. I know the way people read emails and, and books and they don't like read paragraphs. So if you want to have some questions answered, you just, Hey, can you please answer these four questions? And you just number them out in bullets or in numbers uh, and break them up, not into one paragraph, right? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. And also send feedback. Uh, I just did this last month with a client. I just was so tired. Um, their their team was just not getting back to me. It was like pulling teeth, the smallest little task. And I went straight to the CEO. I said, listen, I cannot work with your team. Like, I just, I've been waiting three weeks for an email from your CRM, your Salesforce person. Like it's, I just need some data. Like that's it. And he didn't write back and he wound up canceling the contract. But believe me, that saved me a lot of time and headache. I wound up getting another contract from another client that was even bigger. So send feedback, good or bad. And if it's bad feedback, be respectful about it and just say, listen, I'm trying my best to work with your team. It's just not working out. Like what can we do to improve this? Or we're going to have to move on. Um, some people will try to improve it. Some people will get you to move on. But at any rate, if they move on, it's for the best. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's a key takeaway. Yeah. There's that cost of lost opportunity, right? Yes. Um, exactly. Instead of hanging on. Yeah. That, that ends up costing you. Yeah, absolutely. The other sub tip, the last tip I would have out of these nine traits, this has to do with being a good communicator, is understanding from day one how they like to communicate. Um, you know, I I talked earlier about Skype and WhatsApp and you know, all these different ways to reach out to somebody. Ask them, you know, hey, listen, do you like written? meetings you like um how do you like your data presented you know spreadsheets or pdfs or written documents do you like to talk on the phone do you like um i find a lot of clients now are just liking screen recording videos so they can watch on their own time like instead of having a formal meeting where we're trying to match up times on a calendar i'll just give them the meeting on a screen share video like a meet on loom.com or something i'll send it off to them and they'll respond like th those are great and you just have to understand how the client likes to um, communicate because you don't want to differ too much from that. Um, although if they have you using a different tool like WhatsApp, that's where I put my foot down because um, I need all my emails uh, funneled through my inbox or my, or my phone, you know, uh, through communication, not through Skype or anything like that. No, no separate Slack channel for you, huh? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't mind Slack, but it's, it's, I have to be, um, I have to be in the habit of using it. I'm not just going to do something for, for one client and have to check yet another tool to make sure that, that client isn't trying to reach out to me, you know? Yeah. That makes it just too, too much for sure. Yeah. That's just, it's just overwhelming, but I do like that. A lot of times I feel like there are a lot of assumptions and expectations that go unsaid. So 
I like clarifying that, that point as well. How do they actually like to communicate? Because it can be critical. Like the social, you know, cultural norms of an organization are what they are. They're pretty set. So understanding that and having an expectation and, and finding, you know, how to, to work around that or work with it is, is key. And that way you don't waste time delivering things that really they're not going to see much value in anyway, right? Well, you right. don't have to spend the time to create spreadsheets if, you, if they would prefer you just do a 15-minute screen share and that's the documentation, then great if that works for everybody. Exactly. That's a good point. You know, I mean, all these tips that I, I told you guys today is that's all about bringing in high ticket clients. It doesn't mean it doesn't work for other clients, but these especially work for high ticket clients because high ticket clients are about relationship building and hopefully long-term contracts. And if any one of these nine don't, aren't, aren't practiced, then you're jeopardizing that, that relationship with that client. That's a good point. I did. I kind of like when you said something earlier, you talked about your discovery call for the, you know, a big ticket client. When you go through that, you said something like a flow that you kind of use a a flow when you do that. Would you mind going into that for a minute? Yeah. I mean, that could be a whole separate podcast, but you know, first of all, I mean, we go through, we have a whole class on the discovery call and the flow in freelancer masterclass, but I'll give you a snippet. I mean, it's like an hour long class. So um, you know, basically you open with small talk always, um, studies show that there, you get a 9% better, um, close rate. If you open with small talk, even if it's 15 minutes or 15 seconds, how's the weather, what'd you do this weekend? There's always, there's typical small talk you can do. Uh, I always like to start off a conversation with, is this still a good time to talk? That instantly says you're respectful of their time. Uh, and then they say, yes, um, of course, because they got on the call with you. Um, and that allows you to dictate um, time you are uh, dictate the conversation. You always want to be in charge of the conversation, even though they're interviewing you for a job. You're also, you got to think about you're interviewing them as well. Okay. Right. And then you run into, um, you start dictating the conversation with, with things that they could improve on. So the sandwich technique, I always like to say, if this is true, uh, Hey, I really like your business model. There's a lot of growth in this industry. Uh, looks like you guys are starting to capture um, a lot of the, a lot of the market share. However, there's some competition that seems to have way more of a, a staff and budget than you. Um, and then I, I say a couple things that about their website that I, I think that um, their competition is able to convert better traffic than you. And this is the reason why. So I'm already putting them not in the defensive, but in the part where like, hey, this guy understands our problems that we've already discussed or may have not even noticed before. Um, you know, let me kind of hear what he has to say. So after I set up the problems, uh, I position myself as as I'm the solution. And this is where I let them talk and pour their heart out a little bit. And I talked earlier about, um, you know, letting them speak. Um, I let them go into what, who they're exactly they're looking for uh, in the position they're looking to fill, uh, the project they're looking to get completed. And I help them understand the true value of their problem. So they might come in thinking, well, I need to set up an email sequence, for example, to help convert more customers. And then my job at that point is to make them understand the real value that's in their email list of 10,000 emails of prior customers. Like they might not really understand what's at stake money-wise. I say, okay, if I can raise your conversion rate 10% and have 10% more orders just through your emails alone, like how much revenue is that to you? Well, uh, let's see, we made um, $100,000 last year on our email list. So that would be uh, an extra $10,000 you know, and I say, well, I know based on the emails that I've gotten from you, because I joined your newsletter, um, that I can raise it at least 10%. So within a month, so I can make you $10,000 this month. And that, that instantly 
makes my value, my worth way more than what they probably originally thought of before I got on the call with them. So they're like, wow, right. this can make me $10,000 this month, you know? Um, so you're so, calling out, you're really setting yourself up as a peer. And then when you're talking about these things, I just want to call out like, so what I'm hearing is you're, you're still just focusing on the value proposition of what you're going to be able to provide them. You're not talking about your services or products or anything like that. You're just yeah. saying, Hey, these are the problems you're, you're addressing those issues. You're kind of furthering the conversation and showing your, your kind of, uh, knowledge over that niche or, uh, industry knowledge by, mm -hmm. you know, just elaborating on the issues that they're having and some of the outcomes that they could potentially right. get. Right. Yeah. I very rarely talk about myself actually on the call. I mean, all that, they look at your Upwork profile. They, they know what you're going to say. You know, I might say a few sentences here and there, but they know. Uh, and if you position yourself correctly, you don't have to sell yourself. You yeah. know? So, I mean, once you, once you uh, talk about how much money uh, you can save them or make them uh, through the value that you can provide uh, the next step is to um, uh, transition into a little bit about how you're going to provide that solution and, and the timeline um, and then the big thing is, is that clients will get on the phone with you for a project, not knowing that there's few other things that you could provide to them. They may not know that just because you do logo design, for example, uh, that you also have experience doing 3D explainer video animations. Um, so they might, wow, I didn't realize that could be something that I could utilize to increase my revenue or save time or whatever. So they might not know, they might have a single focus when they get on the call with you, but they not, might not know the, the whole breadth of your uh, you know, vast experience. So I kind of slipped that in there. You know, I say, Hey, listen, in addition to the website, uh, I can also help you here, here, here on social media and, and do influencer marketing. And, um, these are some things we could tackle secondary or tertiary. I do not give them, um, uh, a, a reason to ask. I don't ask them if they're going to want that. I'll just say something like, we'll set that up, um, secondary or tertiary after this first project is done. So I'll just let them know that there's more things to come, more value I can provide. And this isn't just a, a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, one and done type of project. I'm in this for the long term. Um, so I make sure to lead the conversation all the way through without really giving them many chances to object. I'm just leading the conversation with what's called Socratic selling. So I'm leading the conversation with obvious questions that I know what the answer is going to be. Make sense? Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I've, I've heard of Socratic selling or, or not asking a question if, if you don't know the answer before. And yeah. that's always, yeah. it's a good way to run a conversation. Yeah. I used to be married to a prosecution attorney in my, my former life. And uh, that's what their, their entire goal, they set up conversations based on how they're going to question the witness. And uh, they want that conversation to go exactly the way they planned or, or uh, the courtroom just turns into a mess. So they're big on Socratic selling. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. That was a big takeaway from selling to big companies. When I read that was the, the pitfall questions that people ask, you know, how much is this going to cost? Uh, what's the time frame? But all these different things that are just ways for them to brush you off if you're not prepared, right? They don't want to, especially big companies, like you said, they're so busy that the minute that you show that, you know, you're not confident, you're unsure about something or whatever, then they may no longer have time to talk to you about that. Yeah. So uh, setting that up for success and so that you don't hit those roadblocks or pitfalls, I think is, you know, that was impressed on me as being key, especially the bigger the account. Yeah. 
Very true. Just remember when you're on a prospect call, people don't buy their way into something. They buy their way out of something. That's really key to understand. Um, they're not buying into you because uh, you can help solve their problems. They're buying their way out of a jam that they're in. Maybe their boss, especially with high ticket clients, you're, you're probably being interviewed by a manager, not the actual CEO. So <clears throat> their boss is telling them they have to increase the conversion rate of their emails or they have to come up with a new design for the website. And they just don't have the time or, they, or the, the energy in their day. They have so many other things in their plate. They are looking to you to get them out of their problems. So you want to position your phrasing and everything you do uh, and say on the call in that respect, not the fact that you're going to be um, doing something for them, but you're going to be helping them get out of a mess or a jam. Yeah, I think Makes that's sense. interesting. I think um, one of the questions I stumble with is like the timeline question. And how to, um, I feel like they usually have a timeline that they need things done by, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so how to get that information out of them first before I say, you know, I, you know, to an extent, given an amount of time, it's going to take that amount of time, right? Like, yeah. um, if, if you said you need it in six months, I mean, then I can do it in six months. That's fine. But yeah. if you need it in three months, it probably I just need to move things around and do it in three months, like or or cut yeah. the scope down. But that's what I was going to say. My famous question: yeah. Usually, timelines are artificial, but I say, what would yeah. you like to cut out? Because I'm telling you, the reasonable deadline for this is three months, and you want it done in two. What would you like cut out of what I just said? Well, it all looks good. I want it. You know, then guess what? You put a premium price on it. You know what? Then then I've got to work extra hours to get this done. I'm working weekends, and it's, the new price is going to be this. If you've given them a price by that point. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I, I kind of picked that up from uh, another Jonathan Stark. He used to be on the show. Yeah. He, man, he would always say, you know, I can't give you a time. This is all you're part of this. We're partners in this, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is a project. If it was something very simple, you probably wouldn't be paying somebody a lot of money to fix it for you. So by coming in and doing this, like, you know, th this is a collaboration. If, if we're, because of that, I can't just say it's going to be done by then. Can we get results for you by that time? Well, of course, but I can't guarantee that because I'm not really in control of it, right? right. And that's always a difficult conversation because it's, like you said, people are trying to buy their way out of something. If, if their foot's in a bear trap, then they just want out, right? Um, right? And telling them, well, you might have to strategically keep your, your pinky toe in a bear trap. They're not going to like that. That's right. <laughs> Good point. Good analogy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I, I haven't done any bear trap removals yet, but um, it'll happen. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be a tough line of work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a finger or two. Yeah. <laughs> any more? Uh, well, I guess I guess you gave us ten tips instead of nine, right? Well, yeah, nine, and then some sub tips. Nine main categories of tips, but they all—all all those tips I gave kind of fit into one of those subcategories, one of those main categories. Um. So. I guess, um, and I mean, this is all about attracting high paying clients. Is there, is there anything specifically to, um, you know, before that discovery call, you, you have some sort of sales funnel. Um, is, is there anything that works particularly well to, to get the higher paying ones or is it, you just filter out everyone? Uh, well, I have a pretty down to a science in terms of my specific, um, client that I bring in, but, um, I utilize the RSS feeds on Upwork, for example, if I'm looking for prospects on Upwork and I'm very, very specific with the keywords that I'm looking for. And I use, you know, Boolean phrases to bring in, you know, I put quotes. Sometimes I have three or four words in a row. 
I'm looking for a fractional CMO or a fractional chief marketing officer, right? And I'll pump those in my RSS feed and they'll come in through my email. Um, and then that's the way I'll bring in very targeted clients. And then I would know before I even get on the call with them, um, if they're going to be a good client, just by the way, if I'm taking Upwork job postings, as an example, just by the way, they, um, talk about the project. Like if they say I, rather than we, that shows me it's going to be a very small project, right? People, if they're a big company making a million dollars to $2 million plus a year, they're not going to say the word I, right? They're going to say we, my team, stuff like that. So I know what size um, client it's going to be before I even get on the phone with them just from the research I do. So I, I just want to call out. So a couple of prerequisites there are that you, you are pretty specific with your niche to the point that you're looking for very specific things first off, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's the prereq there. And then in addition to that, you're using specific language that that specific niche is going to understand. You're speaking their language basically to try to, you know, right. build that relationship early on and build trust with them. Right. Right. I mean, it's very important yeah. to speak their language. I get caught a lot. It's probably the biggest issue I struggle with is that sometimes I, I, you know, two or three calls into a client, I'm, I'm giving them, some marketing advice and I find myself using a marketing related term. This is a big problem with developers, uh, especially CRM people, oh, yeah. Brad, right? They talk about stuff like, Oh, my API connection is, you know, it's awful big editor and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what the hell? Just talk to me in English, you know? So you have to remember that people aren't experts as well. So, um, that's it's so I'm, difficult with CRM. I know because there you, you have leads, you have content. I mean, you use all the same terms that business people use but you're using them in a very specific technical way. So understanding that language, like you, you have to strip that out early on. People do not care. I remember my first client was just like, I have no idea what you're saying right now. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, Got to dial back to the, the nerd talk. And I mean, but I didn't even think I was being that technical, but yeah. because the, 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 connotative meaning of these words is, is just so ingrained. You have to be very intentional, very intentional about your yeah. language. Yeah. I mean, just to take the simple example of fractional CMO, a lot of people don't know what fractional means. So one of the, the RSS feed keywords I utilize is remote CMO. So when I get on a call, I got on a call last week with a prospect and I used the word fractional CMO and they're like, what's a fractional CMO? And I said, Oh, remote CMO. That's, you know, I, I had to think about that's the way you posted in your job, but you didn't use the word fractional and they didn't know what the word fractional was. They never heard of that term before. So something as simple as that sometimes. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. I know you guys can't see this in the prospect, but I got a, an Upwork, uh, what do you call it? Wow. Yeah, oh. they sent this to me. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, it's a, it's a mug. that They also sent me a coffee mug, but that was a water bottle. They sent me a coffee mug that is electronic and it stays heated. So um, it's all it's app controlled. I could control the temperature on an app. They keep sending me gifts. They sent me a Holy app. smokes. Yeah. <laughs> I got I to gotta get on Upwork then. Yeah. I'm getting, Are you I'm not getting, on Upwork? Yeah. No, I um, barely. Yeah. I, um, I have a product coming out next week called the Upwork mastery bundle. It's only three hours and 45 minutes long, but it pours out like everything, like how I became a top rated producer step-by-step, step, uh, how to do certain, how to get five-star reviews, how to do this, how to do that. Uh, I think it's going to be the best, best course I ever put out, to be honest with you. It's right to the point and it's totally actionable. And, um, I, I have high hopes for this course. That's so, great. That that's amazing. Good. How much do you, are you exclusively on Upwork? Is that where you get? No, 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 no. Upwork's about 20 to 30% of my business. Um, a lot of it's past clients at this point. Um, okay. Probably the largest online lead source for me is LinkedIn. 
Uh, I prospect on LinkedIn every single day. I might do a course on LinkedIn too. So um, I have a lot of success on LinkedIn, probably because I'm looking for high ticket clients exclusively at this point. I, I rarely take on a client unless they're at a minimum of 3000 a month. Uh, my average, my average client is between five and 7,000. That's really cool. So you, are you just using LinkedIn to target individual, like people that are, you know, at the, the level in the organization that you normally sell to do your market research, stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I use Sales Navigator, which is, you know, 80 bucks a month or something. And I can, with that Navigator, I have certain filters. So I can filter by company revenue and certain positions, um, industries. Uh, so I look for internet related businesses of a million or $2 million in revenue a year that have a marketing department of at least uh, two or three people. And then I just start liking and connecting and posting. And uh, I just make it a habit every day to do certain tasks that grow my presence on LinkedIn. That's really cool. Yeah. Recently I started using a, a tool, meet Edgar to automate a lot of that mm -hmm. stuff and, and yeah. start building up my content library and things like that. And just having that automated so that my time is not spent putting content that I've already created out there. Now my time is interacting with people. Right. Yeah. And I have seen tremendous results from that. Just my network is growing like uh, crazy. So that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. And another tool, like a little cheat, I don't know if it's LinkedIn would actually like it, but it's called Limpod, L-I-M-P-O-D. It's a Chrome extension or I think it's Limpod. Yeah, it's Limpod, L-I-M-P-O-D. But uh, it's basically a pod. Yeah, have you guys heard of social media pods? No. no. Um, it's a way that a lot of influencers are growing. Um, it's uh, basically a pod is a, is a group of like-minded people like I have a freelancer pod on Limpod and you can have 50 people in a pod. So what you do is you sign up for this pod and whenever you post some, something, everybody else in this pod automatically comments. Um, you don't even have to do it. It just automatically does. It'll say, hey, nice post or thanks for sharing or something like that, right? So um, that helps you grow your organic reach too. Even though there's some fake comments and likes from people in your pod, um, LinkedIn sees that and other social networks see that and they grow your organic reach. Um, so even if you're on this pod for a month and let's say before you join the pod, every time you post it, you might see like uh, LinkedIn will say 50 people saw this on their feed, which is nothing. But then yeah. even after you know, the month of you using this pod, which is like five bucks a month, uh, you'll see it says 800 people saw this in the organic feed. It was like this huge lift because all of a sudden you were popular because you had this pod uh, that was like, or, you know, posting on uh, or commenting on all your posts. Yeah, I've wow. definitely probably shared posts that uh, that did that. I think yeah. on LinkedIn, I've seen really good growth. Uh, you know, some of the influencers, you know, that you run into on LinkedIn that you, you share any of their content and it's like uh, all of a sudden you get triple or quadruple the views you normally would. It's, yeah. it's crazy, but. Yeah, there's a big, there's a big business in LinkedIn. There's a lot of people, a lot of ads I'm seeing now. Uh, people are trying to um, sell you on their services to uh, try to, you know, they'll for 15, I'm paying somebody actually right now, I'm giving it a try and he's paying them $1,500 a month. It's a LinkedIn reach out service. So they do all the interaction for me on LinkedIn, um, that I spend an hour, even an hour and a half a day just doing, um, and they have this process, you know, they engage, they post, they, um, they connect, they like, they do all the stuff that I would normally do and they take work off my plate so I can focus on being more billable. So we'll see how it goes. I've had mixed results so far. Are you ever worried, like, this would be my worry with that. So if I do that, like, so these are relationships that you're building. What what do you do when you uh, talk with somebody and they, they bring up something that you, you may have had in common on LinkedIn, but you you didn't directly, like, do you, do you worry about that? Is I've that had like that a, issue already. 
Yeah. So, um, I had, um, I went to this, I went to a college called Stephen F. Austin state university. It's in Texas. And these guys were sending out messages on my behalf saying, Hey, I, I saw you go to SFA. Well, they were sending out a bunch of <clears throat> messages to people that went to San Francisco association or something like something else that stood for SFA. And I was like, they'd email me like, where did you, what, what dorm did you stay in? And I was like, Oh wait, um, I could have easily just looked at your profile and you saw that you did not go to my school. You went to another school with the same acronym. So there's already been some hiccups that way. But um, once you kind of work together for a few weeks, you get those those hiccups out of the way and you, lines of communication are much more clear. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah that would that would be a, a big like, because that's just, especially I'm, I'm ultra like conservative about that kind of stuff. Like yeah. it, it weirds me out. It kind of, you know, so uh getting those processes in place, I bet would be uh, nerve wracking for me. But once you do, I mean, it is a lot of, there, there can be a lot of time spent just, just doing that interacting and it can really eat into your day. I mean, I'll, honestly, probably what I'll do at the end is just hire a virtual assistant for a few dollars an hour. I have a few of them that I work with. Um, they're, you know, anywhere from four to $10 an hour. And I'll probably just say, Hey, do this for me every single day for 30 minutes, you know, like, like this person's post or, um, reach out to this many people. And then once the conversation starts, that's when I would take over. Um, so I'm just looking to automate as much as I can this year. That's my, my big goal is to this year is to go into time blocking, um, put my phone out of the room and just automate as much as possible, utilize my virtual assistants more because I need to focus. Um, I have a pretty aggressive goal revenue wise this year. So I need to, in order to do that, I need to get rid of a lot of this busy work that seems to consume at least two hours of my day. That's the killer, the yeah. busy work, the stuff that isn't the highest and best use of your time. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's what's weird as I, as I'm a side hustler. So trying to automate that stuff and finding that balance between ROI on investments, you know, cause it, it is a side hustle, right? So I want to make sure that I'm getting a return on whatever I'm, I'm automating or doing or buying a tool or, but it's always hard to, to, to balance all that. Yep. Pareto's principle. I don't know if you guys heard of that before. It's like, oh, yeah. your work will fill your day no matter how busy you are, you're going to find that your workday is full regardless. There's always something to click. So you have to be conscious of that and just make sure your workday is blocked off in the most efficient time possible. And I'm just noting everything I do that I could just have somebody else do with a little bit of training. And um, that's my, my big goal is to get rid of that Pareto's principle and make myself way more efficient. That's right. awesome. So. Yeah. All right. So I think we're uh, coming up to time here. Do you guys, um, want to do picks now or do you have anything uh last minute you want to throw in there or before I we think do it's picks? good time for picks all right let's do picks then brad you want to go ahead yeah so um i've been going through and doing the uh you know it's it's new year so i've been doing content i i really i don't do resolutions or anything like that but i'm constantly doing self-improvement and trying to to uh you know, do that anyway. So one of the things that I was looking at is like, I, I have notifications. I set notifications on my phone, do all that kind of stuff, to-do list, whatever. But I found that, uh, you know, I wanted an app that would kind of uh, help me with my my habits, right? And uh, I'm a big fan of James Clear as well. So, uh, you know, New Year's resolutions and all that. I think that I'm going to pick uh, jamesclear.com. Um, his newsletter, his weekly newsletter is amazing. It comes out every Thursday. And uh, his tagline is like the most value in an email newsletter or something every week. And I tell you what, he really lives up to it. He does uh, puts out some really good stuff. Um, so jamesclear.com, uh, I, I highly suggest signing up for that newsletter. And then the other thing are two, two different apps. So one is Habitica, uh, which is like, 
a habit building app that's also an RPG. So if you're a nerd gamer uh, who likes RPGs, then it is a really, really cool way to kick a habit, start a habit, or, you know, level up your life. So you actually earn levels as you build streaks and things like that. And the other one is a lot simpler, and I think I'm kind of gravitating towards it, but Habitica was really fun, uh, is Strides. So Strides is another uh, iPhone app that uh, I think is available on iPhone and Android, but uh, it's just, it's really simple, straightforward, builds your streaks and uh, helps you build habits. So uh, I think that's, you know, getting things under control time-wise and doing all that, it's, it's important to track what you're doing and be intentional about the life you want and making those habits happen. So that's one focus. Uh, well, so yeah, those Very are my cool. Things. Those are some good tips. I'm going to have to download some of those apps. Good deal. Yeah. I remember playing with Habitica a long time ago. And I, I, I do think, uh, like you said, it, it, it's a little, a lot to get set up or it was when I was playing with it, but yeah, I'll, I'll have to check out strides cause I like the idea of it, but yeah. Yeah. Strides is a way simpler uh, Habitica is fun. If you really need that extra motivation or, you know, you, you need a new way to, I, you know, honestly, one of my things like we were talking about is to get rid of busy work and wasteful stuff and Habitica, it's easy to spend more time doing it because it's gamified. So I just was like, this is counter, this is against what I'm trying to do here. So uh, strides is getting my vote for now, but Habitica is a lot of fun. Very cool. Thanks, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go now. I know, um, so it's kind of out of left field, but uh, just to bring in there, I was uh, did a white elephant uh, gift and I got a heated blanket. And I know some of you guys don't live in the cold uh, north, but uh, if you do and you don't have a heated blanket, get one because mm-hmm. it's just amazing the difference it makes. Uh, you know, I don't set the heat up normally above 55 and, and uh, my, my life, I feel so luxurious now. Uh, you know, with a heated blanket, um, which is a very old fogey like pick, but uh, yeah, hey, feels it's good. little things. Yeah, exactly. It's a little comfort, um, and and makes me feel like like I'm king of the world when I have that heated blanket on. Yeah, you know, as a freelancer, the difference between me making, you know, twice or three times as much as I did, my life really hasn't changed that much. I'm not looking to buy that. You know, it's those little things in life like heated blankets or extra dryer sheets for the dryer is what makes you really happy. You don't need big boats and fancy cars and stuff. <laughs> that's it. Apparently you can get a heated mug if you do well enough on Upwork. So. <laughs> that's right. You got to take the, uh, the new goal ultimate, 2020 ultimate <laughs> Upwork mastery bundle. Um, that's right. which by the way, I'm debuting, it's going to be $499, but I'm debuting it for $27 for the first 57 or 50 sales. So I just need to get some oh, good cool. testimonials in. So if you want to get in on it, let me know. Give you the ninety five percent off discount. That sounds um, good. Is it time for my uh, my picks? Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Cool, cool. Um, my pick is there. It's an Udemy class, U-D-E-M-Y dot com. They have a bunch of courses, online courses. I took one that's called Focus and Flow State, and it changed my entire way of thinking in terms of my workday. Uh, it goes into the neuroscience of um, how your brain functions for maximum productivity. And really the key takeaway here is 52 minutes on, 17 minutes off. So if you can force yourself every 52 minutes to do something different, meaning if you were sitting in front of your computer, go outside and take your dog for a walk or, or you know, take a quick walk somewhere or um, go play with your kids in the other room or something if you work from your house. 
Um, 52 minutes, 17 off will keep your brain in that optimal state and you'll be super productive, which is very important as a freelancer or a solopreneur uh, when you work for yourself. So that's my pick. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll wrap it up here. Um, thanks, Mike, for uh, joining and sharing your nine uh, tips and sub sub tips. Uh, we appreciate it. And um, we'll wrap it up now. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Bye. Yeah. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.